headline news from around the world and then we're off and running with the cute but ferocious new Alpine, plus an old favourite renewed. This is Tuareg. Infinity launched Q50 in Geneva, Audi has a new S8 flagship saloon and BMW has an estate version of the new 5 Series with an interesting capacity. As the New York Auto Show makes headlines in the USA, we're looking at the stories behind the glitzy reveals and the Wizzo new models. Because the trend away from cars looks like it's here to stay as trucks take over 60% of new vehicle sales, the highest share ever. In truth, the swing is more towards crossovers than pickups and people carriers, and the baby SUV market is the growth sector. After the recession, car sales went up year on year until 2014 when they began to drop off, down again by 12% in the first quarter of this year. But the truck market has risen every year since 2009 and 2017 looks like it'll be another notch on the upside of the graph, already a couple of points higher in the year to March. All car makers are obliged to make sure they are fully represented in the obvious growth segment and there will also come a point at which they have to make a decision to invest less in a segment that's in decline. But the car industry is a global business and though SUVs are a growth item worldwide, no other region has the same truck-dominated makeup as the US market and so cars are a necessary part of an automaker's portfolio which means that offering car choices in the USA still makes commercial sense and there's no guarantee that consumer preferences won't do a control-alt-delete reset and put cars back at the top of the list. Detroit has been caught out by that before and once again the price of fuel may be a catalyst for sudden change. The problem is that it still takes a long time to bring new product to market in an industry which is as tightly regulated as this one and once you've made a big reduction in capacity and ability to meet renewed demand it can take years to get back into play. We have already ventured the opinion that GM's recent decision to get out of Europe and cut itself off from a ready supply of cleverly designed and engineered passenger cars makes excellent sense in the short term but may have unhappy consequences in the long run. And as car makers try various ways of reviving interest in their saloons with specials and so on, Dodge does the ultimate special and releases the Challenger SRT Demon, all 840 horsepower of it. The arguments about a street-legal car that reaches 60 in two seconds so fast the NHRA has banned it from the strip and is priced within reach of the many rather than the few, those arguments have already begun. So is it the best thing ever or is it an irresponsible taunt that's bound to end in tragedy one way or another and needs banning from everywhere, full stop? You tell us.
at first sight, this looks as close to the original as you want it to be. But of course it can't be, thanks mostly to safety legislation. Anyway, who really wants a lightweight rocket ship with flames crackling out of the exhaust on the overrun? All of us, right? It's a brand that uh, is from the 60s and it was well known at that time because it was the first um, winner of the World Rally Championship. And um, the DNA of a brand was about driving in the Alps, small roads, and it, it was all about that. The DNA of the brand is about lightness, agility, pleasure, and I think today there are so many heavy, very powerful, very arrogant car, and we decided to go back with this more elegant, fun, and authentic sports car. I'm really happy about the popularity. Surprise, yes and no, I'm surprised uh, in a way that, uh, I mean, there are so many uh, manufacturers here, there are amazing cars, uh, a lot of public, and, and we are a tiny, uh, we have a tiny car, uh, we have uh, a strong heritage and probably a lot of uh, fans. But forget nostalgia, what Renault wanted was a Porsche Beta 4 today. But when 250 horsepower plays 345 in Cayman S and 300 in the cooking version, it sounds as if the Alpine's goose is already cooked. But Renault has gone totally OCD on its weight loss program and this car weighs 300 kilos less than Cayman. We need to drive it, and soon. But most people have greater need for something like this because a family car or its SUV equivalent answers more questions than a sports car does. The latest version of Touareg looks pretty good too with its resemblance to the clean lines of Tiguan helping to shrink its appearance somehow. But it's still a big car, make no mistake, which leads into one of the long-standing criticisms it's faced more or less since its launch in 2002. Back in those days, SUVs were regarded as the work of the devil, and green activists targeted them very aggressively, setting fire to a Hummer dealership in the USA as a way of making their point. Now everyone's got one, as in every car maker and every family, and no one points fingers anymore. But the reason so many people have them is that they are very accomplished at the U part of their moniker, utility. Loads of capacity and seven seats is pretty much the norm for this sort of thing these days, but Tuareg never had that much seating and five was all it had to offer. Most European families are fine with that, but most Americans are not. And so now we have this weird model proliferation, where from the outside, it seems VW has rushed to plug the gap with Atlas, Tuareg's ever so slightly bigger brother, and Tiguan Allspace, its somewhat smaller sister, but with seven seats instead of five. So if seven seats is what you want, NQB has made it happen, basically. And if not, then Tiguan can't compete with the luxurious appointments of the bigger model. 
not a Range Rover by any stretch. It does have the plush and comfy thing off pat, really, and VW interiors have never been shabby to begin with. Time to come clean here. Tuareg always lost out to the X5 in our domestic SUV league tables, while its Porsche stablemate was always too expensive for something so fundamentally similar. But that was before Macan redefined our understanding of the word overpriced. However, there are plenty of other rivals to pick and choose from, but we're going to keep it simple and concentrate on these three then. Tuareg and Cayenne and X5. In round numbers, 45 grand, 55 and 50 respectively. That makes the Tuareg seem exceptionally good value, especially because most owners will never expect it to cope with anything more challenging than this. And a lot of the value in Cayenne comes from it having seriously good off-road capabilities. The other 10 grand is for having the P word on the back, but since that's precisely what most owners pay for, it's not really a complaint or even a criticism, really. X5, then. The original, and originally just a tarmac tractor, as the Greenies used to say. BMW saw this market long before anyone else, and we liked it better than Touareg since the first time we drove them back to back on tarmac and then on mixed gravel. OK, rally stages. We were following Rally Yorkshire, and some of those forest fire roads are pretty lumpy. It's soft to ride meant that Touareg did that better than X5, unsurprisingly, but its firmer ride meant that the BMW was so much better on tarmac that it was really no contest. And it must be said that, rally or not, the tarmac component was 80 or even 90% of our driving mix, and it plays an even bigger part in the everyday life of most non-rallying people. Interestingly, both of them have got better at mud-plugging since then, but neither are what you call full-blooded off-roaders, and for us, X5 still excels on metal surfaces. And we like the interior better as well, just because it's also neat and clean. We don't really like plush in anything except luxury cars. But you're looking at a decent cost-saving with Touareg, though poor economy and resale values tend to erode that when you look at it over two or three years from new. Have we just talked ourselves into an X5? We probably have. Sometimes it's hard to avoid the feeling that when manufacturers unveil new models at major car shows, the speeches they deliver are aimed at other car makers rather than the journalists in attendance and almost never at the buying public. But if Infinity needs to convince anyone in Europe that Q50 is the very thing, it is indeed the consumers who are not exactly flocking into the showrooms. It took Nissan's premium nameplate a while to get its creds established in the USA, and as you doubtless know, Lexus is massively ahead on this one, locked in grim combat with BMW, Mercedes and Audi, while Acura and Infiniti argue 
over their leavings. Getting a foothold in Europe is another story for all three, though. And if Lexus can't get a handle on it, in this most demanding of car markets, the homeland of all those German initials, then it's maybe no wonder Infinity still hasn't made an impact. But then, neither has Volvo yet. And what about Jaguar? So it's a tough place to do business. And though Infinity's 3 Series rival is high on visual impact, we doubt it's as well matched in the driving department to the BMW or the other premium Germans. And for us, that's the key. Individual looks and a distinct, unmistakable style never did solve very much good, did they? This is such a critical audience that nothing but equality is going to sell against the best. There's no room for near enough is good enough, and though Infinity understands that in a marketing sense and is leveraging things like its Formula One involvement, that's really just background chatter on social media. Look at how Cadillac is struggling to get on terms with 3 Series in the USA with a car that is arguably its dynamic equal. So what's the problem? Wrong image and, crucially, the engine is a gem, but the BMW motor is solid gold. No contest. So buy this with your heart for its looks and be ready to explain your choice to everyone in the bar with a BMW keyring in their pocket. This was the new Audi S8 in Barcelona 15 years ago. Evolution, not revolution for the looks. The S designation bringing extra power, lower ride height, stiffer suspension and tougher brakes, plus every electronic gizmo in the Audi toy box. But it fits into the price list slap in the middle of S-Class and 7 Series territory, so it's got a very tough job on its hands, we said. If the expression plus ça change doesn't mean very much to you, then you've got four minutes to find it on Google, and by then you'll have worked out that what we're saying is that this is the same old story. Good looks that haven't changed a great deal. In 15 years, the ugly big grill is the only thing that's noticeable from more than a few metres away, really. And we are no longer alone in thinking it's about time Audi did something designy to remind us all why they are Audi. But still, and regardless of our feeling about the grill, it's not the only thing that hasn't changed much in all that time. It still sits between the BMW and the Mercedes price points, and it still offers the same blend of those two. So it's still not as sharp as a 7 Series, not as luxurious as the Big Merc. A perfect halfway house for anyone who wants something that's neither one thing nor the other, really. We still love that interior more than either of the others, and we always stress the importance of this aspect of a new car. It's the bit you touch and hold on to, as well as the thing you look at most of the time. 
It's also got massive amounts of power. Massive amounts. Do you need any more than the 500-odd horsepower of the regular S8? You can have another 85, plus some other stuff if you plonk another 15 grand on the table and order the plus version. But why would you? Bragging rights is all it is. That's bragging rights between manufacturers, of course, and bragging rights on the 19th for the owners. The whole point of this car is the ambience and comfort of the interior and the smooth, unruffled ride. Big saloons are for luxury travel, not rapid transit. And we've always struggled with the inherent conflict of a sports saloon. And the bigger they get, the bigger the divide between the two objectives, because of physics as much as anything else. Do you really want to arm wrestle something that's five metres long and weighs 2,000 kilos around the country lanes? No matter how many electronic aids it might have, and it does have many. So it's a cruiser, this, and it won't ever need all its horsepower. It won't ever touch the limiter that holds it back at 155 miles an hour. So you can forget the ultra-costly plus version. And even then, we're talking overkill. It's a topic that comes up more and more frequently these days, and not just on Auto Mundial. While car makers are squandering their collective experience and abilities, building more and more niche products that nobody really needs and hardly anybody actually wants, they lay themselves open to criticism from the admirers of disruptive startups like Tesla. And quite frankly, it seems pretty well deserved. Geneva this year and BMW adds the estate version of the new 5 Series Tourer, which is, among other things, remarkably clever as well as eminently practical. Bigger than before, it seats five in comfort, head, legs and shoulders. And it has the benefit of a huge empty space if you want to swap passengers for payload. Interestingly, car makers describe such capacity in litres these days. And the new Touring can fit the contents of 1,700 steins of beer in the back. Before Brexit, that could have been 2,000-plus bottles of wine, which, at the recommended rate of consumption of two units a day, would last you pretty close to 18 years. As long as you can stop it gushing out of holes round the edges, of course. We preferred the VDA system of measurement. At least then, you knew how many crates went in the back. Next week, we'll bring you a glimpse of the $100,000 Lexus LC500, and we've priced it in dollars because that's who will be buying it. Americans pretty much buy as many in a month as Europeans do in a year, although the Lexus star has been waning in the West, despite the outstanding dealer experience. Here's one that's rising, though. 
Volvo is going from strength to strength with an expanding model range in which this is a highly desirable addition, even without top-of-the-range R-Design trim. If we wanted an SUV, we'd be in their showroom tomorrow. And type Coleos into Google, and everything you get back is prefixed by Renault, which is a good thing if you work in their marketing department. It's also the final new model in the range revamp which they started five years ago.